0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.
1: Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast, here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. But well, I'm going to
1: Mississippi
2: Mississippi, here yeah. I
0: you're listening to good things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I
2: Mississippi,
0: Mississippi Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now. Here's Rebecca.
1: Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV. Now, today we get to learn about a brand-new supercomputer that has been unveiled by the U.S. Army Engineer Research research and development center in Vicksburg which has been dedicated in honor of a Medal of Honor recipient from Mississippi. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Joining us to tell us a little bit more about it is Bobby Hunter. He's the chief of the Supercomputing Research Center. So welcome Bobby.
3: Hey, good afternoon, Rebecca. Glad to be here with you.
1: I feel like you have a much cooler job than I do, Bobby, working with supercomputers. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. So in general, just help us better understand what a supercomputer is.
3: Okay, Rebecca. So a supercomputer, I mean, fundamentally it's built from some of the same types of components that you would have in your home, desktop or laptop, right? They're little higher-end high components, but it's a processor, memory uh, disk drives for storage. But on really large scales, these supercomputers are comprised of thousands of these components. Uh, they're really large systems. They can occupy anywhere from a 1,000 to 3,000 square feet of floor space for a single supercomputer. Um, also, a lot of power is required for these. A typical supercomputer can use one to two megawatts of power. That's one to two million watts. That's enough to power 100 to 200 residential homes, so um, everything is on a grand scale when we talk about supercomputers, but what really makes it super, while it's built from individual components similar to your, your home computer, all of those processors, thousands of them, are able to talk to each other and help to collectively work and solve a problem at the same time together, so kind of an example of of our approach to supercomputing, if I were to ask you Rebecca, to sit down with a piece of paper and add up uh, all the numbers from 1 to 100, right, 1 plus 2 is 3, 3 plus 3 is 6, 6 plus 4 is 10, and so on. You could do that. It may take you about five minutes, Rebecca. Um, If I had 10 people and I said, hey, I want you to add 1 through 10, the next person to add 10 through 20, and so on, uh, you could probably solve that same problem in about 30 seconds if everybody's working on a separate piece of it. So that's, that's what a supercomputer does for us. It can take those big problems and break them into smaller problems and, uh, and get to results a lot quicker than a traditional computer. And for the scale of problems that we run, trying to solve those problems on a standard computer could take anywhere from months to years, and they're able to accomplish that same amount of work in hours.
1: Bobby, um, I am so a, impressed that you think computer. I could do that in five minutes. I really appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I think it may take me I'm a little sure bit longer. <laughs> Math right. can be hard. But I could totally see when you sort of breaking it down like that in terms of efficiency and where those computers can be um, can be helpful um, with those type of, of situ- situations. So you guys are the U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center. You all go by ERDC for short. Help us better understand, Bobby, there in Vicksburg, what you guys do with these supercomputers uh, kind of on a daily basis. I'm sure it's just not math problems. I'm sure it's a little more complicated than that.
3: Right, right. It all breaks down to math problems at its fundamental level. But, uh, yeah, these supercomputers are not only here for ERDC, but they also serve all three services of DOD. So we have Air Force. Uh, Navy and Army users that use these resources to solve some of the most challenging problems that DOD is facing, right? Whether it's from blast protection to protect the warfighter, uh, from hypersonic vehicle flight, um, to building and designing new dams and levees for the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, it's a wide array of work that happens on these computers, and they're able to to support multiple disciplines, right? I mean, if you gave a microscope to a biologist they can use that but that's no good to an astronomer they need a telescope but you can give a supercomputer to both of those same disciplines and they can make use of it in solving their problems and exploring things that they haven't been able to explore before
1: so you've got this new one that was just unveiled what will it be able to accomplish that maybe the other ones won't or it'll just be kind of another team member within the group of supercomputers to sort of help speed up the process
3: Right. Uh, it's really the latter. Uh, it's just another tool in our in the tool bag of DOD researchers and scientists to make use of. Uh, the biggest thing it brings to bear is that time to solution will be much faster. Uh, we had one example of a user running on one of our older supercomputers that transitioned to this new one. And his his problem he was able to solve 40 times faster than on the older supercomputer. So If it was taking him 48 hours to solve that problem before, now he can solve it in basically one hour. So it's going to provide much more fidelity and insight into these problems with the faster turnaround time. You,
1: you, you all also um, make it a priority to sort of name them. Obviously, they're big machines. They should have a name within talking. But you make it uh, a little special. You guys do an honor of servicemen and women. So this one has the name Carpenter. So how did the new supercomputer uh, there at Urtic get the name Carpenter?
3: Right. So... Until, until about five years ago, we used to name our supercomputers after precious minerals and gems. That had been a tradition here at URDIC for over 25 years. Um, then we gave it some thought and thought, you know, we need to do something that really honors service members, helps us to remember why we're doing what we do. And so coming up with a naming scheme now for these computers of uh, Mississippi Medal of Honor recipients was a really great idea. Uh, we've already named two: one after Roy Wheat and uh, Ed Tutal Freeman, both Medal of Honor recipients from Mississippi. And then, when we received this, before we received this new computer, we were researching, looking for uh, the name, and we came across Kyle Carpenter. Read his story; uh, the fact that he's the youngest living Medal of Honor recipient really inspired us, and so we we chose that name. And uh, we got to do an incredible ribbon cutting ceremony just a little over a month ago. Kyle Carpenter was in attendance for that. Um, just a really incredible, humble individual. Um, it just, it, like I said, it helps us to remember why we're doing what we do here at ERDIC.
1: And if they're looking at supertalk.fm, Bobby, they'll see a great picture of the wonderful um, photograph or the image that's on the supercomputer. I read where Kyle thought he was just going to come and see a big box or something, obviously still excited. But recognizing you guys went the uh, um, extra step there, Eric, to make sure that it's very visible, that this this computer was going to Kyle Carpenter and sort of why. And that really does help, you know, paint that picture of, why you do what you do every day, but then also continuing to pay the honor by anybody who walks by and gets curious and can read his story.
3: Right, right, right. It's a great sight to behold, and um, we have a great team here on site that does that visualization work for us, and they really did an outstanding job on that. And like you said, Kyle was really um, taken back when he saw that for the first time, so it seemed to really mean a lot to him to have that in his honor.
1: So, Bobby, I do think you have a really cool job there, Erdick. you and all your teammates and, and everyone who I know it takes multiples to keep uh, supercomputers and all those things up. We often have parents, caregivers, even students uh, listening to good things as we hit that car rider line. So what would you say to them in terms of like career opportunities when it comes to math or engineering or, you know, marrying computers, their love of computers and all that, you know, into one? What what's the potential out there?
3: Yeah, the potential is endless, right? I mean, uh, technology just keeps getting more and more ubiquitous within um, engineering fields. And so uh, I think it's, you know, having an appreciation, a love for math. You don't always have to be the best at it, but uh, having a good, strong math background, um, being able to problem solve, right, enjoying having a new challenge, a new problem, and figuring out how to solve that problem. I think it goes hand-in-hand with engineering as well. Uh, In particular, on supercomputers, you know, learning things such as Linux, which is an operating system similar to Windows, but that's what we use within the supercomputing world. Um, Getting some experience in in that area is always helpful. Another thing I'd like to make sure users know about is that every year here at Erdick, we host what's called games in engineering, math, and science, GEMS, G-E-M-S, And that is a one-week program for middle school and high school students to come out here. It's a day camp, and uh, it really exposes them across the board between all the different labs and all the different engineering disciplines that happen out here at Herdic. So um, you can just go to Google and search for games in engineering, math, and science, and you can come across that
1: that is super cool I hope folks take advantage of that it wouldn't be a far drive for many for that day trip I think opening our kids up wow. just letting them see what a supercomputer is because Bobby you know it's hard to wrap your head around something you've never sort of seen before but kudos to what you guys there are doing there at urtic thank you so much for honoring our military servicemen and women and I appreciate your time
3: okay thank you Rebecca enjoyed
1: it all righty you guys stick with us we got more for you coming up next <laughs> good things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. If you've taken time to download the Super Talk app, thank you. You can also stream us from there. If you don't have it, you should. It's a good tool to have. You can always find us too on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station and you can keep up with everything happening in the presidential primaries by going to supertalk.fm slash elections. You'll get a full breakdown of state-by-state results, delegate counts, and more. So that is supertalk.fm slash elections. And don't forget too, you can sign up up for our free Super Talk News e-letter e-newsletter, when and you can stay up to date on your Mississippi news stories over at supertalk.fm as well. I just saw a great one outlining all the cool things or all things Mardi Gras here in Mississippi. Tis the season, let the good times roll. And those, the weather is heating up and getting wet, but that's okay, it's heating up, and the king cakes are rolling, and it feels like we're getting back to normal
2: they've made it above freezing in north mississippi
1: so it feels it's said this before but when you spend such a long time at an extreme extreme heat whether it's extreme highs or it's extreme lows when you get back to 10 or 15 degrees in the other direction even if it's still unseasonably low or high or whatever you're like well isn't this a break this this 40, upper 40s degree weather just feels wonderful. Left my jacket in the car, you know, not concerned about my ears, all sort of the things. And it just feels like a total luxury, which will make the 60 and plus degree weather then start to feel balmy. And we'll sort of have to figure it out. But such is life here in Mississippi.
2: I mean, any 20 to 30 degree swing is going to feel a little funny at first
1: fair. And then it just keeps sort of swinging sort of back and forth, back and forth. But I think we all agreed last week we're not for the extreme. So we're happy to see the more milder temperatures come back, even if it does come with a little bit of rain. Often here on Good Things, I have great headlines about companies looking to pay you absurd amounts of money for fun things. I think the last one we got went down the rabbit hole one was one of your favorite ones. (laughs) If they were going to pay you $300 an hour to play your favorite video game, what would it be? And you were like, you do anything Almost anything for $300 an hour I got that okay this wasn't isn't quite as lucrative but it's still pretty I guess like up there
2: a decent chunk of change
1: a decent chunk of change and this is actually one that I might would I would might would go for and you've got till the end of January to sign up for it if you want to do it but there is a yogurt company that is offering ten thousand dollars for a one month digital detox so all you got to do one, you got to sign up and be selected, and there's very few that are going to get selected. So I apologize for that, but hey, you got to be in it to win it. But have you ever heard of Siggy's yogurt? It's the more bougie yogurt in the yogurt aisle. It Can't is say I've ever bought. Very them. delicious. It is an Icelandic yogurt. Um, it is anyway. They are offering this digital detox program. They'll give ten thousand dollars to participants who are willing to give up their phones for a whole month. So the program inspired by dry January, which many of you take part in, usually dry January means that you're going to no alcohol for the month of January because we just came off pretty much an alcohol bender from all the holidays and into the new year. But I think, you know, that doesn't always bear well for those who enjoy the Mardi Gras season, which rolls right into January. But maybe you do a modified version of dry January. Anyway, it's accepting applications through the end of January. So 10 people will be selected for the digital detox and will have to keep their smartphones secured for one month in a lockbox provided by Siggy's. So they believe in the power of living a simpler life with fewer distractions. I think that's a pretty good thing. One of the biggest distractions in our lives today, they say, and I would agree, is our phone. The average person spends 5.4 hours on their phones each day. Now that's if you only if you only took communication in terms of like calling, mine would be zero-ish, less than a half an hour every day for sure averaged over the year, easily, very rarely do I get stuck on a phone call, longer than five to ten minutes. But you look at some of the other applications in which I spend my time on, on my little handheld computer, it's a little more embarrassing. It doesn't
2: feel that. like it's a full digital detox, though, if you're only giving up your phone. So
1: I—that's so correct. So the comp, um, so the selected winners who complete the program will receive ten thousand, a phone lot box, a good old-fashioned flip phone. You still get your phone, so you still get a phone. So they they recognize that you at least
2: you need to be able to communicate. You
1: need to be able to communicate. Good old-fashioned flip phone. You just need to
2: stop doom scrolling.
1: Yep. With a one month prepaid SIM card and a three month supply of Siggy's yogurt. Hey, that's almost ten thousand. Not really, something. that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but when you are looking at like the YoPlay, that's like seventy nine cents for a little cup, and then this one's like two fifty. It's a big difference. But it is good. It's delicious yogurt. But still, I, I digress. Would you do it? I know, without a shadow of a doubt. In would
2: a say. heartbeat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. I didn't even need to. I didn't entire even need swaths you. of
2: my day where I just. It's in the drawer. I'm not touching it for another couple hours.
1: I didn't even need you for this. I could have just stepped in with full confidence and spoken on behalf of Rhino. You could have signed that. me up. I wouldn't have, have been mad. You wouldn't have been mad at all. Um, I don't know the whole um, process of, of putting in your applications. It's online if you would like to try and do that. I mean, there's going to be thousands of people who are going to want to do that. And then, you know, obviously they're only choosing 10. Corner my,
2: office might get a little upset with my... Uh, Ability to show prep without access to my phone, but for a month and ten grand, i will take a month off.
1: So, like, if you think about what we use our phones for the most, right, like those of us who say it's for work, which I will say most of us who work in this industry and certain others, you do feel like there's a level of being in the know that you have to be to bring the know to, you know, those that, that tune in every day. But could you do that... On your computer and designated times, like because it didn't say you couldn't have your computer, right? So you could still log or a in, tablet, or tablet, or tablet, smart TV. Then, but those things you can't put in your pocket, take with you, whip out whenever you just have a board, thirty seconds, or break, or in between patients or clients, or, or you know whatever, wherever it is that you're wasting your time just scrolling. Could you still be effective at your job without having to have? infinite access to said sites
2: it would take a little bit of restructuring of my daily schedule that yeah i could easily do it
1: right and i think that's kind of i just of... wouldn't
2: have the same up to the second information updates and all that kind of stuff because it that's what i've got my phone set up for
1: correct i get that but i think that's sort of what they're trying to just bring light to also is that it's not that being connected is the wrong thing it's just how much time are we spending sort of there because you
2: said the average is what five hours
1: 5.4
2: 5.4 i just looked at my screen time for the last week it's nine hours and eight minutes
1: you also average per day you also though use yours for entertainment purposes right like do you watch you stream like you watch yeah i'll have
2: a i'll have a show going on my phone while i'm on the computer doing something
1: right so that's A lot, but if you were if like someone listening to good things and went gassed because maybe you're nowhere near that, I would say if you coupled your TV watching in with your phone use, if you don't watch TV on your phone and you coupled your TV watching with your phone use for those who do watch and stream on their phones, it would be more comparable because there's a lot of people who – and then there's a lot of us too who sit there and have the TV on Netflix and still – you know, scrolling at the same time. So it's just equally a digital detox. So when I heard digital digital detox, the first I was thinking they were going to make you, like, live in a hut and not have any sort of communication. Here's
2: your log cabin for a month.
1: Which sounds... In the mountains. Which sounds amazing! Right? Like, absolutely amazing. If they made it easier for you to go back to flip phones, and maybe they do, I don't know, I, I would...
2: Well, now they've got the flip smartphone where the screen folds and stuff.
1: Well, but that is like putting lipstick on a pig. I mean, you were just saying you have a flip phone, but you really still have a smartphone. Although I wonder if having to actually flip it open would reduce your desire to just mindless scroll when you're like, you know, those moments of just I'm just bored. And I don't know why my phone's in my hand, but now it's in my hand and I'm scrolling because you actually have to like. Flip it open to. There's get an to extra it.
2: action between. There's you an and extra the action drawing. to
1: it. I wish you could take your sim sim card out easily and just like put it in a flip phone. I mean, you
2: just need a paperclip.
1: Well, I feel like that's just a lot of man, a lot of sh- a lot of effort. I'm not willing to do, <laughs> apparently. But there is something intriguing about simplifying your life and going back to just a flip phone. No emails. No social media. No news alerts, just phone calls, text messages, no group chats.
2: I mean, even before I had a quote-unquote smartphone or iPhone, I still got updates to my not-smartphone via text. I mean, for years... That was the beginning of the end. Yeah. I got updates on every Braves game, even after I kind of had stopped watching every Braves game. It's like, ding, phone goes off. Well, the Braves lost again.
1: If that was the only thing you got updated on, you'd be doing really well these days. All right, stick with this. We got more for you up next. In
0: it. Rebecca Turner. She looks.
1: Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. Or we're streaming from that Super Talk Mississippi app. You can find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Now, when it's carnival season, it means it's also the start of crawfish season. Yum. And most of us have been dreaming of getting a sack of crawfish and a slew of friends for a good old time. But there is some things you need to know about this crawfish season. I felt like we should talk about this up front and in the beginning. And joining us is Dennis Ricky. He is a certified fisheries professional with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Park, but he used to work for the Louisiana Research and Experiment Station for a year and a half before coming here. So he knows all things crawfish. So welcome, Dennis. Dennis. Hello, how are you? I am doing well, and I appreciate your time today. I have to I tell on myself, I text our good friend Ricky Flint, who's with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, and I said, who is over our crawfish department? And I bet he laughed out loud at me, and he said, sweetie, we don't have one here in Mississippi, but I know a guy who knows a thing or two about crawfish, and he sent me straight to you. So what is your background in the world of crawfish?
4: Well, I worked at the... um the Rice Research Station in Louisiana and Crowley, Louisiana, for about a year and a half before coming to Mississippi, and um, so I was an Aquaculture Research Associate, and we farmed crawfish in conjunction with rice, different rice varieties, to determine um, which rice variety produced both good a good rice crop and a good crawfish crop.
1: Very interesting. Well, Mississippi may not harvest crawfish or farm them, but we sure do like to eat them, especially from our sistering state of Louisiana. And I've been seeing all the posts, uh, Dennis, about warning folks that they may be underwhelmed or discouraged by maybe what the supply looks like this year. And I know that's already got a lot of folks talking about the price of crawfish, the limited supply, and all the things. So. What is affecting our ability to have good old crawfish bowls in our bar- backyard like normal?
4: Um, supply and demand, and the supply is being impacted by um, the drought that we had last year. So the crawfish, when you take the water off of the rice field and harvest the rice, the crawfish, have, and that happens in maybe September uh August, late July, um, the crawfish have burrowed into the ground, okay? And they stay in their burrow. They burrow down to uh, the water table and uh, they stay in their burrow um, until they sense that there's water over them again. And then they will dig out of the burrow and then they'll be in the ponds and, you know, they'll be looking for food and that's the harvest season. So, Um, typically some people will flood up in September and they may be starting to to have crawfish by November or we we flooded up in January and we harvested five days a week from uh, January through about mid-May and then the water temperatures get too hot and they burrow back into the ground again so with the drought um, the survival of the crawfish in the burrows has probably been poor but um the Atchafalaya Basin, the wild harvest, usually starts to come in in March. That may be delayed this year because of uh, colder water temperatures. And there may be some, you know, less uh, crawfish produced out of that, depending on what the water conditions were in the Atchafalaya Basin.
1: So there's no conspiracy of trying to keep our crawfish from us. It's just Mother Nature and how it all sort of plays together. Some years, like other things, crops are great or harvest is great. In other years, things sort of affect it, and you just have a limited amount. Would that be fair to say, Dennis?
4: Yes, and with the limited amount, you're going to see higher prices that the farmers are going to get, and then the retailers or wholesalers are going to you know, have higher prices, and, of course, the retailers will, will too.
1: So right now I know people are just really excited about something that they enjoy or just sort of think about spring weather. And I've noticed that, you know, they're going quick when your local places get their crawfish sacks in to either cook for you or to sell for you. Will that level off some as we move more into spring, or is this just kind of going to be a sparse year? Or we just need to be patient and take what we can get.
4: Well, it all depends on the supply. Uh, but usually what happens is the price drops as you go through the season from January or, or November all the way into to May, and so crawfish get cheaper
1: which I think people will welcome. And then people are willing to pay for it, Dennis. I think maybe more than anything, folks are just willing to have less crawfish boils on the calendar than maybe they normally um, would. But then also remember that many of the people selling it are small business owners, right, on the side of the road or however your connection sort of is here in Mississippi, and just sort of be patient and take that into consideration. How important is it, though, Dennis, that we still support those uh, farmers, even if their product has to be a little higher this year?
4: Well, it's important because, um, you know, some of them are strictly crawfish farmers and some of them are rice and crawfish farmers, but they depend upon that income from year to year, um, you know, to pay their bills and their workers and, and to make a profit.
1: Because so, we won't crawfish next year and the next, and the next, and hopefully we can, you know, get the supply sort of back up to normal uh, to normal amounts um, in that way. So, you know, I'm ready for a good crawfish bowl, Dennis, but I, the the weather needs to be a little bit warmer for me.
4: Yeah, and um, certainly the popularity of crawfish in Mississippi has increased over the past 20 or 30 years. You know, you can just probably get them just about anywhere now where well, that was not the case uh, years ago.
1: So you came to Mississippi a couple years ago. You're now a certified fisheries professional with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. That's a big title, Dennis. I hope you have a big business card. So what do you do with us now here in Mississippi?
4: Well, I manage uh, about seven projects, Um, farm, pond, technical guidance, freshwater commercial fishing, uh, a community lakes assistance program where we enter into agreements with cities and counties, where we'll write a fisheries management plan and provide fish for stocking if they'll agree to do all the maintenance um, at those locations. Um, in-stream flow, aquatic invasive species like silver carp, big head carp, and some environmental coordination. So I have a bunch of projects and grant administrations for uh, invasive carp projects, so I spend a little time on, on those as needed.
1: Well, sounds like a cool job. Does the weather and the drought affect, say, like our crappie and our bass or our catfish the same way it does the little crawfish?
4: So weather conditions during the, the crappie spawn, which is probably going to be from late March, it depends where you are in the state, but in, like, the northern reservoirs that we have, the peak is probably April the 15th. So if you have a lot of cold weather, The the water has got to be a certain temperature and match up with the the daylight uh, period for crappie to spawn. And uh, the best spawning temperatures, I mean, the best spawning conditions are stable or slowly rising water levels. Um, If you have, uh, that affects, you know, the amount of shallow water you have available. So if you have a drought in the springtime, You know, the the water levels in those flood control reservoirs are reduced, and so you have a reduced spawning area.
1: Such interesting stuff. I've got a crappie fisherman for a husband, Dennis, so I know that the reservoir was 36 degrees, the water temperature this morning, and it's not very good for crappie fishing right now, but they're really waiting for it to get, to get a little warmer so they can get back out there and do what, what they sort of enjoy doing. But everything, you know, there's, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, and it even comes with the weather and the great outdoors, correct?
4: That's correct,
1: all right, well, I appreciate your time, Dennis. Hopefully everybody will simmer down with their craw with the crawfish and still support their local vendors and enjoy a good time.
4: Yes, that would be good.
1: All righty, thank you.
4: You're welcome, bye bye.
1: Jeff and Palmmetokck said "crawfish or call me by my full government name. Yes, I feel you, Jeff. Same here too. I can't wait to get a sack full or two and a bunch of friends, but it has been a sticker shock for many of you who have gone out and maybe tried to go to your local restaurants or go ahead and get the party started with those early this year. And I think it's just going to be one of those years we got to be patient. We just kind of have to meet the farmer where they're at, recognize that it was out of their control. Um, but still maybe you just reduce the number of, the, of parties you got, but just put it all in for one good one. Um, and just sort of be realistic that, you know, it's, It's going to be a wavy sort of crawfish season for those that that truly do um, enjoy it. But it's a rippling effect for when prices are high for the farmer or when it's droughts. The farmer's got to sell it higher. You've got to buy it higher. All the things. So patience. Just put in more corn and potatoes and sausage. Somebody right now gasped. (laughs) Not the same.
2: Somebody threw something at the radio.
1: Not the same. I get it. I get it. Just bringing you the information. All right, stick with this. We got more for you up next. Down by the
0: river and down, by the light, you'll be falling. beat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Everyone knows all about my
3: direction and in my heart
2: somewhere
1: Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also find us on your computer or your mobile device at Supertalk TV. And if you're looking for a new podcast to start the new year, check out our newest podcast, True American Heroes. This podcast is about the stories of America's true heroes in their own words. It is produced by Supertalk Southwest Mississippi, and it's hosted by Jack Rutland. Each episode of the podcast revolves around the direct testimony of a Mississippi veteran about their service to America. So True American Heroes is available on the Super Talk Mississippi app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find all of your favorite Super Talk shows in podcast form, again, wherever you listen to podcasts. Patrick in Louisville, I may not have just said your name if your wife is listening, but you have a funny story also about fish. Your lovely wife asked you the other day, what happens to the fish when the pond freezes solid? Do they die or come back to life When it thaws out, you told her that all of, that all the fish you have thawed out from the freezer have never come back to life. She did appreciate that answer. That sounds like so something, uh, Patrick, I would ask. I can only imagine Ricky Flint probably looked, um, at my message the same way my husband looked at me when I said I asked Ricky for our crawfish department. I didn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I knew they came primarily from Louisiana, but, I mean, we're all right there together. I figured Mississippi probably has harvest or farmed some. No, not for us. That's for our neighboring state. And apparently we just don't have the right climate or, I guess, ecosystem or whatever. Well, it's for also to go that way.
2: different parts of the state view it differently. I mean, growing up in Tupelo... While there are opportunities to get crawfish now in North Mississippi, there weren't a whole lot of opportunities then to get crawfish in North Mississippi.
1: So it's kind of like fresh. If you seafood. grew up in
2: Central or South Mississippi, yeah. you had access to it. But if you grew up in North Mississippi for a certain period of time, what is this? What are you? What are you putting on my plate?
1: I was like it's it's 2024 it's January the 22nd um now I get that and too I guess it's the same with like fresh seafood you know the the further south or the closer to the Mississippi Gulf Coast you go the easier access that you have to it even grabbing sackfuls or by the pound fresh shrimp the little um it's not, not as plentiful as like watermelon little stations and stuff that pop up, uh, you know, around the summertime selling fresh vegetables, but similar. You have like trucks that will pop up in different parking lots that are selling, uh, fresh cult or fresher cult than maybe what you can get from your local, uh, store, particularly the further up you come, um, in the state. So I guess we just sort of took it for granted here centrally or south that, Crawfish has always just kind of been a, a part of your of your springtime. It does feel like it's gotten more popular over the years. Oh yeah, I do remember. Um, we weren't married long, and we usually have at least one crawfish bowl a year with close friends. And we were newlyweds, and he was the only one working at the time. I was still in school, and when I tell you, he came back with like a coffin-sized pot to cook you can cook I think it's like a sack or two sacks at one time in and we had this lovely exchange and how I was going to when he died I was going to bury him in that overly priced uh, pot instead of like getting him a coffin because it was absurd and unnecessary for one time a year but we have we've made it almost 17 years strong and we've used it I guess 50 15 of the 17 <laughs> 17 years, and he told me then it was an investment that would last us. And so it has held up, and we use it once a year, and I guess it's paid for itself by now. You
2: should have used that for a hot bath. <laughs>
1: that is exactly what someone else said to me. It's like, <laughs> your pot is in, you have a large crawfish pot. Why are you not boiling that for your bath water? Well, one, that's not my department. I, you should not put me in there. Flames and all the things. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, many of you do take it seriously, and it's definitely a part of your upcoming sort of springtime, and it's gonna, it's you know, it's gonna affect what that what that sort of looks like. But I hope we can all figure out a way to still have those uh, fun times in our in our back in our backyard. Someone said they catch them themselves, but snakes are getting bad, so I hate them in shallow water mostly. So I guess if you've got the right conditions on your oh, property. Yeah. You might could get a few, but you're probably not going to harvest enough for a party, a party or like a, or whatever, whatever it may a boil. be. A boil. Yeah. When you were a kid though, growing up and seeing the little crawfish things on the side, like on your driveway or down at the drainage, did you ever think you'd actually grow up to look forward to them, little suckers? Because they're coming. I com-
2: don't think we ever had them.
1: Really? I just We had like-
2: cicada holes.
1: There's, there... And the little
2: husks, but we—I don't—I don't remember ever seeing crawfish holes in Tupelo.
1: Is it just a water thing, like a climate thing?
2: I think it's a water and climate thing. Yeah, I think you get—you got to have water on the land. You got to have it; it can't get too cold.
1: That was just—that was my summer there. The little things that come up. But now I didn't know that snakes also like them too. So. <laughs> probably a good thing i probably dodged a couple of bullets uh, there all right stick with us we got more for you coming up next you got the boys with sports talk mississippi from three to six rhino and i'll meet you back here tomorrow at two but until then i hope you all find time for the good things good thing.